Good evening. I'm Paul Sexton. And I'm Bobby Burns. And this is Wayward Weekly. Around the world and into your home, the stories that touch your life. This is Wayward Weekly. Welcome to episode 16, everybody. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing well, sir. How about you? Doing good. Before we even say anything. Ranked choice voting. Let's just dig in because otherwise... Oh, you want to jump into it right away? We're just going to venture off onto some other topic if we don't. Well, I was going to ask you about the Beirut explosion just to see if you saw it, but we can save that for uh, for later. I saw it. Yes, I did. I did. Insane. Absolutely insane. Um, I'm not exactly sure what went wrong there. I heard it was some type of leak from old chemicals that were housed um, in a warehouse improperly that just nobody checked on. Is that correct? Yeah, basically it was a, well, I think it was a Russian cargo ship that was shipping ammonium nitrate to another country. They had stopped there and the ship owner literally just ran out of money. And so all that was left there, I think, moved into a storage container. They warned the government uh, a bunch of times, you know, the port authorities like, hey, this is unstable. We need to do something. They didn't. And then, yeah, something happened that caused the explosion. But I just saw some of the videos and everything. And... I mean, talk about terrifying. Like, they didn't even look real. I, I mean, it, it looked like CGI. Like, I, I've never seen anything. Because normally with, you know, war footage and everything, we'll see a black and white, like, footage from a drone from right. really high up in the air. And you're seeing the big plume and everything, but you don't see the percussion from the bomb itself. Like, you know, people that were driving in Beirut, you know, probably I think it was like a mile or two away were filming because they saw the initial fire and everything. And then when the explosion took off, you could literally see the sound wave coming towards them. I mean, insane. Like, I mean, talk about terrifying. I didn't, I didn't see that specifically, but what I did see was, um, uh, somebody's car camera of them driving the explosion and the airbags just going off and in the car itself, like sort of getting slammed from the shockwave of the explosion. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty surreal. Um, you know, especially just like the whole thing was just so sudden and out of nowhere. Um, so immediate without warning. So, um, Really sad, but no, I haven't been following it. I haven't like watched a lot of things other than the first day it happened. I was like, well, that sucks. Um, yeah. And that's kind of it. It's always weird, though, because you have like a situation like that. And then, you know, governments, just governments everywhere, they have a mass catastrophe. And then they're like, well, you know, we cannot allow this to happen again. It's like, well, it already happened. Like, what else are we not looking at <laughs> yeah. that may, you know, like, yeah. you know, let's 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 look at things that are immediate right now, not some hypothetical in the in the future. Like, you know, they're being warned about it, but it just makes me wonder, you know, how often even like the American government are warned of potential catastrophes. I mean, even we were even warned uh, uh, before nine eleven that they were conspiring to blow up our buildings and commit a terrorist attack. Yeah. You know, but if you were to take every single one of these threats and hunches seriously, I mean, I think you would just become immobilized by, yeah, by trying to avoid, um, you know, terror at all costs. And so, um, 
I well, especially with the sleepy population. I mean, you know, if Bill Clinton, when he had the the opportunity during his presidency to take out Osama bin Laden, I mean, if he would have gone in there and done that, uh, entered like Afghanistan, I think he was in Afghanistan at that point before he moved to Pakistan, uh, I think it would have been, we would have looked at him like some type of criminal. But oh, yeah. we never would have had a, a 9-11 potentially. So absolutely. it's a weird, you know, it's a weird give and take. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's... How do you make that decision? I mean, how does, you know, 9-11 never happened and Bill Clinton was just going around saying, like, listen, like, in between being on they Ep- had Epstein's weapons island. of mass destruction. <laughs> yeah. And, and they were going to use our planes to blow up our own buildings. And it would have been the worst thing we'd ever seen since Pearl Harbor. They would be like, yeah, right, Bill. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You're just a warmonger. Yep. And then it would be, uh, you know, uh, did you watch the Trump interview with, um, what was his name? Jonathan Swan, I believe, last week from CNN. Jonathan Swan. I think that no. was his name. Was, uh, it, uh, was it the uh, Australian dude? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was an Axios, right? Or is that through yeah, CNN? Yeah, that was Axios. I don't know what I said, CNN. I didn't watch the I think whole it thing. Aired, it aired on HBO. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched, uh, I saw some clips of it, but I haven't seen the whole thing, so I think it was um, like 40 minutes long. Well, in that, uh, he, you know, um, I, Donald Trump says something about, like, Afghanistan and the Middle East being uh, the biggest mistake that any president's made in the history of the United States of America, like, referring to Bush. And, you know, it would, like, I, I'm bringing it up just because if, if Clinton would have went in there and prevented 9-11, it would have just been his name inserted in there instead of Bush's. You know, it's like that was the worst mistake in, in uh, American history from any president, except for every single fucking person at the time was like, wow, let's go get him. Kill him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Everybody. Um, no, so- that was that was one of them. I think there was only one. She was, uh, I think, a congresswoman from California. She was one of the the very few that objected at the time and they looked at her like she hated america and yet she was the one that was right communist she probably wants to perpetuate the muslim agenda in america she's Mm. probably a co-conspirator well that's i'm sure that's what they were saying and everything at the time that's probably what i would have said at the time i mean i was like a you know very very conservative and republican i mean reading some of the stuff that i wrote back then it was like you know let's turn this area back into sand I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, the whole entire area just turned the whole entire thing to sand and rebuild. Yeah. And I read this stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God, I was writing this in high school. But that's what happens when you're emotional about stuff. Sure. You know, and you don't have a lot of information, and you don't care about not having a lot of information. I mean, you look, just want revenge. I'm going to be honest. I've said similar things in my time, and yours is out of revenge. But, like, I mean, I often think, like... You know, and this is a very like, I don't know what the right term to describe this way of thinking is, um, but I'll just say it's sort of like synonymous with kind of what Hitler was thinking or doing. But I think of North Korea and I'm like, dude, enough's enough with all the back and forth bullshit. Like, can we just move forward as a world and just nuke the shit out of them and then we don't have to worry about it anymore because (laughs) how fucking long are we going to go on with North Korea back and forth and you know this and that and and tid for tad and making threats and making threats and making threats I mean it is just a pesky mosquito and it just needs to be swatted now I say that and 
And the reality of the situation is, is there's millions and millions of innocent people over there. Um, exactly. Who have nothing to do with it and don't want it. But also, realistically, where are they going to be in 100 years? Are we still going to be doing the same bullshit? Well, it's how, just, yeah. How yeah. much are they holding back progress for the rest of the world when we could be focused on other things and not having to be putting people's militaries and not having to worry about South Korea's safety? You know, how much more could South Korea prosper if they weren't there? And it, so I'm not saying we do it, but it's just there are times when that type of thinking pops into my head because I'm like, dude, in the long run, it would just be better. But that is a very... Um, like I said, the only analogy I can come up with is like a Hitler way of thinking because it's just to say like, well, there could be this better world if we just eliminated these certain people. And yeah. like, where do you draw the line, you know? It really depends on the uh, the population and everything and, and, you know, the way that they're situated. Obviously, they don't want him as a dictator, but I mean, you look at like cartels and everything. It's like, man, if we get those fuckers out of there, this whole entire drug war is going to be over. And like I kept, said in, I kept saying in our other episodes, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, it's a great thing for narcos because every single time they take out a cartel leader, you wait another five years, the cartels move around a little bit, then all of a sudden a big dog emerges after a bunch of violence and then they make a narco series about it after (laughs) we take that new guy down like it never changes it's really just there has to be a right mechanism for it it just seems like we as human beings when we're engaged in times of warfare or famine or chaos we tend to look to people that we wouldn't otherwise look to in just normal everyday life we look towards people that have severe disorders you know various personality disorders that are willing to do things that other people wouldn't because they're going to fight for our interests but once they get in there then that's when the totalitarian mindset sets in and they start turning even against the people that were for them originally and you see this all over the world do you think that's ever happened in america were you trying to lead me into that one? <laughs> <laughs> I can tell by that shitting grin on your face. Uh, well, sorry. I mean, to, to, you know, we can't obviously compare Trump to uh, like a, a Kim Jong Un, but I think that if the circumstances were right, I'm not sure that he would act much different. I think if it well, was more chaotic, he would act, you know, just as self-centered because I think they suffer severely psychologically, and they're only capable of thinking. You know about themselves, and there's yeah. no introspection that's involved there. Meaning, how do my actions affect other people, and then how is that going to affect the people in the future? It's just about now, 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 now. Like that's why, with the Axios thing, he threw out uh, George W. Bush failed failure. Like he can't accept any any fault of his own. And, and you being know a good leader is accepting fault so that you yeah. can take corrective action. Right. He one of the do things that. one of the things I really realized in watching that interview is that um, you know Trump uh, Trump struggles and he backpedals a lot because I feel like people are always just pointing the finger at him and rightfully so I mean he's the one who sort of sort of started this finger pointing and blame game of you yeah. Know, uh, of we're the best and this person did it awful blah blah and now people are looking at him and saying he did it awful and he he is 
just defensive in everything that he talks about and everything that he does. And so all of he, all he does because he's so defensive in, in the way that he approaches situations is he just fumbles around topics, trying to talk his way out of it with this attitude. But it's That's, like, yeah. I don't even think he, he believes half the things he's saying. He's just saying something to get himself out of it and sort of defend his honor, quote unquote, if you will. And it's almost like, you know, I watched this interview and the whole time I'm, I'm looking at it and it's just, he's just looking for a way to spin it so that he doesn't look bad, but it's not, it's not in, I'm doing this interview to try and look good or I'm not, I'm not trying to like say I'm great here. It's, it just seems to me all defensives. And I think people misinterpret him or maybe some of his stuff. I don't watch that much of Trump interviews because I don't give a shit to be honest but um, but I watched this and I, th- I feel like people misinterpret some of what was going on here as him being like this pompous ass and like gloating and oh we're the best we're the best we're the best and really I just think he's being defensive I think you know he, he's got his, his guard up and uh, he feels like he's just being attacked the whole time um, at least that's what I got from it. So I thought it was interesting, uh, to watch. I watched the whole 40 minutes or hour or whatever it was. Um, and there are some parts, I'll have to I, check it out. Yeah, there is some parts I definitely laughed out loud. Um, there are some parts where I think Jonathan Swan, uh, wasn't being fair. Um, oh yeah. 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 They can't be fair. And that's the problem with the, uh, the media and all that is yeah. that they, you know, you can get banished if you come off as being, so reasonable with Trump, yeah. you know, if, if he's making a reasonable point and you just happen to say like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, what? like that, that is a good, that is a good point. Um, you can get bashed for it because then you're, you're looked at as like an apologist or something or that you're right. uh, some type of, uh, you know, uh, closeted MAGA member, but even that, that isn't the case. Even that, I think some of the issues were like, he kept, he kept having a smirk on his face um, while talking to Trump, but yeah. you couldn't see it. So whenever like he would have a smirk on his face, they would uh, not show that, and they would give you a picture from behind his head. So they would edit it, so you'd see the back of Jonathan's head, but you could see his cheeks. And I, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, it almost looks like he's smiling right now or laughing. And then Trump would go like, I I see you have that smile on your face right now, and you know I know what you're thinking, but I just want to say this. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, he is sort of taunting him a little bit, and he is sort of like scoffing in his face, which. I mean, well, it's childlike and it's kind of a nervous sort of thing. And I have to watch myself sometimes because I've been called out on doing that where I'll be smiling while someone's making a point that I think is, that's true. you know, that's besides fair. the point, yeah. I don't notice that I'm doing it. It's I, I do that just as kind well. of, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I, I, I try now to keep more of a, you know, a straight face because someone told me like, you know, it's not nice to smile while, and I'm like, I didn't even realize I was doing it. They're like, well, you are. And I'm like, I, I'm sorry. I, I disagree with your, your point. Point, but I'm not meaning to demean you by smiling. I'm yeah. just thinking of me, you know, listening to you and then thinking about countering at the same exact time. Yeah. So I see what you mean. But the thing is, is that uh, Trump does come off extremely, extremely defensive. And I don't think that it's his fault at all. I don't think that he can help it at all. That's what he's done all the time yeah. like he, he and he will keep saying the same thing over and over again until it becomes true and it works for him because he knows that we as americans 
are only going to follow a certain media outlet. So if you're watching Fox News, you're only going to see the good stuff or him saying the same thing over and over again. Right. So you're going to believe it. Whereas if you're watching, you know, left-leaning media, you're going to get uh, an opposing opinion or only see the worst of it. So it's just all confirming our belief that we have already. It, that's why I said it's like basically the media is just one giant comfort blanket. It's like, well, what makes me feel good inside? Not, not you know, what facts can we give you? But when it comes to Trump and him being defensive, I honestly just look at him as a child. You know, I, I have read that his dad was uh, potentially a sociopath, like a psychopath, mm-hmm. and would purposely, uh, you know, use his children against one another and play these mind games and everything. So like we talked about in the past, when you have a child that is severely abused or severely neglected, they get to a point where their brain can no longer tolerate the pain anymore. So their brain literally just switches and flips a circuit and it stops feeling the pain anymore. So you're told all the time, you're a horrible child, you're a piece of shit, why the fuck did I have you? And after a while, your brain just turns off and it's just like, well, everything I do is good, huh? Like, even though your dad is saying one thing, your mind is automatically geared now to just defend itself from that abuse. And you because that's the norm. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is, though, is that these kids, in particular Trump, they end up developing partial personality disorders themselves, narcissistic personality disorders. And then the rest of us have to deal with it. And we shouldn't be a codependent type of society where, you know, we just let that stuff happen. We should recognize it and and try to nip it in the bud by keeping those types of individuals from power. But a lot of times you can't tell because you don't really know someone until you know them intimately. Either it's a really close friend or you're in, in an actual relationship with them. Right. And so it makes it really hard to, to see, you know, who is a good person or not. And I think a lot of these people that have inflative egos because they're narcissists and they had terrible childhoods, they're drawn to politics because they like the spotlight. They think that they're more important than they truly are. And then this is what we get. And I think that's a lot of times that's the problem with fame and fortune and all that. It's not, you know these people they they need that and i think trump is just reflective of someone that just has serious issues and he says the same stuff over and over again until it just makes sense in his own mind yeah like you know he never deals with the reality itself and maybe he just had no had nobody there when he was younger to say hey listen your dad's just a fucking asshole man i mean like you're not the problem and that's not uncommon i know you said like for people in politics this and that but i mean it's just it's not uncommon for people in the real world i mean there are so many people out there just in general who grew up with shitty upbringings with parents who were verbally or physically abusive and like but and, we're all wired differently. And we so. we are, but I mean, I think you see it all the time, even with adults in, in the workplace and stuff. You people, you see people getting into arguments over weird things or having control issues over, over weird things. And like, I mean, I could even use myself as an example um, where it's like I had a completely normal upbringing, but even as a 35-year-old man, I still have weird quirks. I still have defensiveness over certain things. Like I think people in general are just weird. And when you put a magnifying glass on anybody and then people start calling you out on that shit and you try to reflect on it, like you've got two options. You embrace it and like you said, sort of admit you're wrong and try and reflect on it and fix it or you become defensive of it and your weirdness becomes even that much 
stranger. And if your weirdness is that you're being defensive over something that didn't make sense, like you, you say, oh, you know, in the interview, he, he said uh, something something like, you know, yeah, two, two years ago, uh, the reason why is like two years ago, we just, we didn't have a vaccine for this. And he's like, well, we didn't have a vaccine for this nine months ago because it wasn't a thing. Like, why are you bringing up two years ago? That doesn't make any sense. And he's like, well, yeah, that's my that's my point. So two years ago, like, blah, 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 and, and this is all going down. And it's like, you know, I, I forget the exact way that he was uh, bringing it up. But it's like, wait, you you just slipped up and made a mistake. Like, you don't need to try and defend it. Now you're just that weirdness is being really strange because you're trying to defend a stupid statement you said you, you made instead of just saying like, Oh, I misspoke. Uh, you know, I was saying this or that. And, and I mean, I do things like that sometimes as well. I think we all do, but again, now you're the president now the spotlights on you and now that shit's happening and then you don't even have to yeah. be the president. You can be a movie star or a politician or whatever. Yeah. Your options are to, you know, suck it up, admit that you're wrong and, and try and move, past it and a lot of times too this shit's hard to do when you're on the spot right yeah and so oh yeah obviously and the thing is what you're talking about is like normal human behavior like normal quirks and all that kind of stuff we all have the capability to display narcissistic traits but it crosses a line when it becomes a pathology when there's an actual problem where you you can't even see yourself in the mirror like you know like if you have a severe personality disorder you go to the therapist and you're not even going to believe like what they're saying you know the only way that you can come to control any of it is that if you just come to trust other people because you can't see it yourself but your therapist your friends everyone else is telling you like your exes are saying like dude like you've cheated on me a million times like you've treated me like shit you have these control issues these jealousy issues even though you're the one with the problem and then they go always yeah but but i know it's one of my weaknesses but it plays to my strengths because you know it makes me really good when i'm in jobs because i do what it, well, it does. Done. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I, but, You're willing to do things that other people aren't willing to do. But that would do. be someone's like defense mechanism of it, right? Is that like yeah. there's the pathology is that they're trying to rationalize. But it's partially um, true though. That's justify. the thing. Yeah, it's partially true. And then the rest of us are in this in-between world. I think I'm on the, the, the like a crazy codependent type of a situation. And, and as I've got gotten older, I've had to realize that like I, I've, typically so freaking hard on myself that you know and i'm so reliant on everyone else to basically give me my image of myself like my reality doesn't become reality until someone tells me it's so so i have like a severe type of a codependency but as i've gotten older i've realized that I need to recognize that. And I know that there are people that are on the opposite spectrum of that that may have like narcissistic personality disorder and they will key on people like me because I'm easily controlled and manipulated because I'm like, well, what did I do wrong? It's like, I've done everything right. They're telling me now that I've failed somehow and it works because it keeps me in control. But with age, I've been able to overcome that. If you have a personality disorder, your mind doesn't change. You're still operating on the same system. And all you can do is just recognize when you're going out to cheat, let's say, 
or do something uh, bad at work to get a leg up that you realize that's wrong because someone told you it's wrong and you've experienced the consequences enough. Like with me being a codependent, I will always be like this, but I have to learn to understand. And when you that say that you're a codependent, what you mean is that... Um, that uh, you aren't quite sure if you're doing well at something or not. You're not quite sure if you're supposed to time. be doing something unless someone tells you or yes. gives you reassurance that, yes, you're doing a good I job. Never, yes, this is yeah. the right decision. Yes, like... I assume I'm the dumbest person in the room. I, yeah. I, I, I'm like, even in law school, like I had to stop myself. You're almost my, like, immobilized yeah. by your own thoughts, by thinking, oh, completely. Like, can I do this? And so you don't even make the action yeah. because you're doubting yourself. Where a narcissist, the opposite would be, they think they could do anything and they think they're the best at everything. Yeah, they and think it works that, because they yeah. always pu push through life. They keep going. They don't let it stop them. But the thing is, though, is that they cause a lot of damage in their wake. Yeah, and because I mean, there's some else's narcissists that don't amount it to anything. They just think what they're doing is great and... Oh, that's true. No, that that know, too. Nothing comes from it. So yeah. Um, so it's about about recognizing it, you know. And I think yeah. uh, someone like Trump, I think it, it's impossible for him to act any differently because of the childhood he had. And that's the thing is that, you know, I feel bad for him if he had that sort of childhood. And it sounds like he, he did. But the thing is, is that you can't let a nation suffer because of it. And I don't think he's he's a competent individual. And obviously, you know, with Biden and stuff, there's questions, too, just in, in terms of his uh, cognition. Right. But in but Trump just seems to have a personality disorder that that is obviously prescribable. So um, Biden announced his uh, running mate for uh, as vice president, Camilla Harris. Um, uh -huh. And uh, what do you know about her? Uh, prosecutor, uh, DA, I think attorney general of California, I believe. Uh -huh. She mixed race, uh, Indian and black. And I think that the decision to make her the VP, even though had, uh, her and Biden had a contentious uh, debates, uh -huh. was a strategic one. You have the progressives on the left. Well, yeah, why, why wouldn't it be? I mean... Well, but the thing, well, yes, obviously it's always going to be strategic, but I think it's, it's more strategic because they want to... They want to make sure they get moderates that are leaning either way. If it would have been like someone like an Elizabeth Warren, mm -hmm. uh, I think it could have alienated moderates in their mind. They're not worried about the progressives. The progressives are, and then the people to the far left, they are going to vote Biden no matter what because they hate Trump, mm -hmm. right? So if you have moderates that are concerned about defunding the police and all that, you get someone in there that's like a Kamala Harris because she is not a defund the police type of lady. And in fact, she has incarcerated a ton of people and has not always done it in, uh, in a way that I think is necessarily ethical. Why? What do you mean by that? Uh, well, I've heard some stories in the past and everything, but I was listening to a podcast here recently from, I think it was the... God, I can't remember the the name of it, but basically, it's a it's a freedom. It's not Freedom International, but it's some type of group. There's these two guys on a podcast. Uh, they with Joe Rogan, and basically, they were going over uh, people that have been 
wrongly convicted and are on death row and all that kind of stuff. And that basically Kamala Harris, even though she didn't direct the actions once she found out that people were being falsely accused, she didn't do anything to undo that. Right. Meaning she went ahead with the prosecutions and backed up the prosecutors that were committing these these wrongs and everything. Right. And so it's an interesting contrast with the people on the left that are talking about defunding the police. And then you have someone like her and you're talking about like Black Lives Matter and everything. And, and she put a lot of people away for drug offenses and everything. Right. But they're walking a fine line. I think it was a strategic decision because they know the people on the left, the progressives, are going to go for Biden no matter what because they don't want right. to see Trump. So they have to pull some Moderate. of Trump's supporters in the middle over to their side. And the fact that Camilla, uh, Kamala Harris, I don't know how you say her main name. I'm going to keep yeah, saying Kamala Camilla. Harris. Uh, um, the fact that she is a prosecutor, that she's put people away for drug offenses, that she is a cop, might pull yeah. some of those people who were against defunding the police but somewhat liberal back onto their side. Like, I know plenty of people, even in California, older folks who are, you know, very liberal. And then, like, you know, the protests start and all it is is you know, all, all of this rioting and looting needs to stop and blah, blah, blah. And it's, uh, you know, not one mention of, uh, you know, Black Lives Matters or, or protesting for the right reasons or the fact that 95% of the protesters are, you know, being peaceful or, or whatever. It's, yeah, and that's all we see. We only see the worst. Right. Well, and so, I mean, there are liberal people who are clearly um, not, for protesting. Um, they don't think, they don't agree with protesting in general, no matter what the message is. Um, I mean, I remember- like you, mean, you mean rioting, not protesting. No, no, no. They're, they're, not, they're not for protesting no matter what it is. Uh, why? Why? Uh, I don't know but, any liberals like that. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons. Uh, I, what I'm saying is the older individuals. Um, and so, you know, I saw a lot of people where I was like, they're like, no, I'm for protesting. It's this or that. And I said, okay, so name the last protest that you were for. <laughs> well, there haven't been any that I've been for. So in general, you disagree, like, because you disagree with them, you're not for any of them is what you're saying. You don't agree with people's right to protest. Um, and, and that's kind of what I've seen a lot from some of the older individuals. And I think that had you had somebody who is like, yeah, defund the police and refer all these protests, there is a lot of liberal people who you might isolate, who you might alienate and get to vote either third party or lean more towards Trump. Because at the end of the day, you know, I just care that uh, my city and my home is protected. Um, I just care that, uh, you know, nobody... Nobody comes out to Ventura and protests because I'm afraid that they might break into my house and steal my stuff. Um, and it's, well, it's all about fear, yeah. Yeah, it's all fear. It's all. Uh, but um, I, but well, same with defund the police. Like it, it's all fear based. I mean, the thing. I haven't seen a serious proposition in terms of defunding the police. Like I actually completely defunding the police. Okay, I think Los Angeles said that they were going to take 100 million dollars that were going to there was going to be in addition to the prior budget. They were going to add 100 million. Instead of adding that 100 million, they're going to reallocate it to something else. Yeah. So the budget is going to stay the same. They're just going to, instead of increasing the budget, they're going to take those funds and they're going to move them somewhere else. They're going to reallocate. Right. 
defunding the police as a proposition in and of itself is fucking stupid. And most people, I think, agree with that. I mean, do you agree with defunding the police as a well, complete dumb? Yeah, no, I, I would uh, I would never get rid of policing. I uh, Reform. Call, I call the police often. I called the police just last week on the way to my parents' house because I got on the freeway and somebody almost crashed into me and then swerved the other way, almost crashed into another car, uh, sped off at 80 miles an hour, slammed on the brakes, swerved like they were fucked up and they were going to crash into somebody and kill somebody. So I called the police and I said, hey, I'm on the 405, headed northbound and before sunset, um, this and that. Uh, Four or five minutes later, I passed the CHP just sitting on the side of the road I, I mean, maybe they dispatched somebody up the way. That guy went the yeah. way. Nobody, nobody. So, I mean, on the one hand, I, I call the cops, but on the other hand, uh, you know, I don't ever see really a result of anything. Um, so while I, I, I think that it's a, a dumb idea um, and that there is some order kept from these things, um, I will say at the same time, I don't often see any of the results that I like to see. Um, when I have called the police. I mean, I remember one time uh, just six months ago here, maybe a little longer because this was uh, pre-quarantine, but we were getting ready to leave our house and uh, there's a a vacated house uh, about three houses down from me on a corner. And um, this lady passed away, left it to her friend. Her friend's also very old, so nobody lives there. And people were breaking in and squatting on it and yada, yada, yada. So there's a big vacate notice on the door that no one's allowed to be on the property, right? Yeah. And so we go outside and we're getting ready to leave on a Saturday morning. And I see some sketched out, like, homeless dude um, who's kind of, like, yelling and talking to himself, uh, hop into the back of the truck and start grabbing stuff and throwing it on the lawn and, like, taking stuff. I don't know if it was out of the garage or what. Maybe it's stuff that he kept and stored overnight. Maybe he stole something because I think one of them was a snowboard and he's homeless. So it might have been stuff (laughs) that he stole the night before and stored it there while people were looking for him. I mean, you're laughing, but, like, why would this guy have a nice snowboard, you know? Um, Yeah. And so, no, no, I, I agree. Yeah, no, it's it's odd. Yeah, so so I called uh, the police, and then while I was on the phone, I'm like, oh my god, a police officer just went by, and the um, person on the phone with me, the 911 operator, said, I'm going to stay on the line, see if you can't flag him down. So I flag him down, and and I finally get him and pull up next to him. I'm like, hey, at the corner right there, I'm on the phone with 911. They said to flag you down. Um, there's a guy, the, the house is vacated. There's a big sign, no one's supposed to be there. He's grabbing stuff out of it. Um, we've had lots of break-ins here before. There's been issues over the past year. Um, you know, uh, you guys need to go check it out. And like, he like looks at his partner and he's like, is there a victim to the crime? And I was like, what? And he's like, is there a victim? Do you own the house? Do you know who owns the house? And you know, for a fact that that's not their stuff. And I'm like, no, but there are break-ins and there's a, a vacate notice that no one's supposed to be on the property. The guy looks out of his mind. He was yelling as he was walking down the street. Um, no one's supposed to be there. And they're like, if there's no victim, we can't do anything. And then they just drove away. Yeah, it's all a matter of uh, prioritizing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I had a rock thrown through my window uh, when I was in college. Someone was just partying and went through the window or whatever. And, you know, I saw a cop across the street that was basically... I remember the story. Continue, please. (laughs) Yeah, making a... uh, There was, like, a a party that was going on across the street, and so the cop was there. I don't know if it was, like, a noise complaint or what. I was like, hey, someone, you know, threw a rock through my window. And he just looked at me like, well, I'm, I'm busy harassing this lady. 
Like, so, <laughs> like, n- nothing happened. I remember just being, like, furious. Like, what the fuck is the point of the police? Like, you know. Right. Uh, so having, I mean, having said all that, though, I, I'm I'm not like, yeah, get rid of the police and defund it because I don't think that would go well. I think there is a certain threshold of society that they uphold in that without it, um, people would, uh, you know, It'd just be a lot more chaotic. Um, there'd probably be more break-ins, which you then have more people owning guns and just shooting random people, which then you have more people going to the hospital over being shot, more people having you know, uh, depression and weird psychological issues because they killed somebody who broke into their home. Like, yeah. um, you know, we have a gun at our house, and uh, they a lot of the, um, the people that they're letting out, out of jail, um, they're giving them all two-week vouchers to the travel lodge at the end of our street. Um, and so all the prisoners are staying at the end of our street now, a few hundred feet away. Um, and uh, we've had lots of break-ins in our neighborhood in general. And people are saying there's been a spike in the past few weeks because of this. I don't know if it's true or not true. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I keep thinking, oh, I should go buy some shells. I should go buy some shells. I should go buy some shells. And it's like, do I really want to kill somebody who breaks into my house? <laughs> do, like, well, do uh, I do I want that on my conscience? Like, yeah, they're probably well, depends. If, if someone, depends what they're doing. It if does someone, depend. And but someone who breaks in probably isn't going to kill me. They're probably just going to steal my shit. Um, yeah. You know, they're probably not going to try and wake us up and get the cops called. Maybe, but it it seems a lot less likely. And so, do I want to create this confrontation where if somebody breaks in? And they're being crazy that I go out with a gun and I start shooting my place up and shooting them up. And then, and then I kill somebody and then I have to sit there and think about that for the rest well, of Well, I think life. you have to take just reasonable, you know, steps. I think it's smart to go out with a gun. You alert the person that you're there and that you do have a firearm and that you'll use it and give them the opportunity to leave and if they're you know if they're crazy or something that you know you should well first call the cops obviously if someone's broken into your home yeah but uh yeah and then just try to distance yourselves from the situation i mean you have homeowners insurance they can take care of it if you want to go out there and try and take action you can but you hear all these stories where the gun gets turned against you uh, you know you can barely see you don't know who's there what's going on where yeah. they're at what their capabilities are whether or not they care like there's all these factors but we think as americans it's like well i'll just you know i'll unholster my pistol and go out there shoot the motherfucker in the face right call the call the the coroner over and my job's done america and it's, like, it's like, well, life's not that easy. Like, right. it'd be nice if it was that easy. But I think actually just to back up real quick, the story I think that, that you were thinking I was going to say was when the one where I was in my apartment and I had a John McCain poster. Yes, with that is a, exactly a, what I thought you were going to go to. I forgot. Yeah. How could I forget? I was on the bottom floor, a two-story apartment building. I'm on the bottom floor. I have an apartment to myself. It's my last year of college. Uh, the race is between John McCain and Barack Obama, and I'm not voting for no Barack Hussein Obama. So I got my John McCain, Sarah Palin picture in you know in my windowsill, so it's facing our our parking lot in the back and everyone can see it when they walk by and it's a liberal university you know so most of the people that walk by they're probably like oh god well there's a you know big party weekend and all of that and i'm having a couple beers before i go out to the bar and i'm just sitting there on my couch and all of a sudden like there's this explosion i'm like what the fuck was that 
and someone's hand had gone through the window and through my blinds. Like my blinds and the John McCain post like blew out of the side of my blinds and window. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I run outside. I asked the guys upstairs, I'm like, who in the fuck just did that? And they're like, oh, I think it was someone in a green polo, whatever. And I was big back then. Like, I was a big dude. Yeah. Uh, and, and fast, too, even though I was I was big. And uh, I ran out, and I saw someone in a green polo, and there's just mass people all over the place. And I'm like, and I just start yelling, like, was it you? And I walk up to him, and I just grab him by his polo, and I throw him up against a tree. He's like, it wasn't me. I'm like, well, you better tell me in two seconds. Otherwise, I'm going to treat it as if it was you and fuck you up. And so the kid is just like, hey, dude, it was my buddy. I'm sorry. Like, he's just fucking wasted. He's drunk, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, okay, well, you're going to wait here then. I'm going to calm down. You're going to wait here, and I'm going to call the police. So I call the police, and we're waiting Okay, and the police end up showing up, and you know the I'm like, yeah, the the guys upstairs said it was this guy wearing a green polo. He says that he has a friend with him. I don't know, but someone punched my window because I had a John McCain sign in my window, and the cop was just like, like literally gave me this look, like you're full of shit, like you're just a fucking whiner, because he, he was probably liberal, just like, oh you fucking whiner, yeah. like what are you talking about? And literally didn't take me seriously, so I was just I was getting pissed at that point. I'm like, I called you motherfuckers, yeah. Like I'm telling you what happened, <laughs> yeah. Like I was sitting, I had only two beers. It's not like I was blacked out, drunk, and then right. someone punched my window. Like I'm telling you what happened, and so we're going through the story and all that, and. uh the guy keeps saying he's like yeah it was my friend like i don't know where he went and all that and i'm like well your friend had better get here like otherwise you know i'm gonna have them press charges on you like i don't know like everyone said that it was you and then all of a sudden the guy in the polo was like dude there's my buddy and the cops look over and it's this guy kind of stumbling along the sidewalk and i look over and i'm like what is wrong with him he walks over he's like yeah like it, it was it was me and he lifts up his arm and he was cut from his wrist all the way up to his elbow and you could see his fucking bone in his Jesus arm Christ. he i'm not joking if he wouldn't have come back with his blood alcohol content he probably would have bled out and died yeah so moral I, of the I, story it's a good thing to call the cops and press charges he saved his well life. no i didn't i did they cops asked me like at first of all the guy didn't believe me so i was like come into my apartment he's like he's like okay fine he walks in and the first words out of his mouth when he sees my john mccain poster my blinds fl- fucked up he's just like oh well no shit <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm, like, boiling. Like, what the I know. fuck do you oh, mean, no oh. shit? I just told you all this. Wow, the story he told us uh, checks out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not well, even, okay, I guess we'll, I guess not we'll even a record. crazy story. It's not like there's anything about that that's not believable. It's not yeah, like you're the, like, like uh, there's a pig and someone threw it through my window and its nose stuck into my wall and he's just stuck there. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's like I was on some LSD trip, like, yeah. going out of my mind or anything. Like, I, I told him exactly what happened. And then I calmed down a little bit and I was like, I was like, you know, even as partisan as I was back then, I was, they're like, they're like at that point, they're like, okay, well, I'm assuming you're going to press charges. And I'm like, I asked him what hap- what would happen if I press charges. And it wasn't good, uh, especially since it was a no tolerance weekend because they had no tolerance weekends where the charges were heightened because they were big party weekends that would occur. Right. And I was just like, you know what? No. 
do you I'm re- not gonna... can I ask, do you regret not pressing charges now that you are a lawyer or going to be a lawyer? Because like, look, the, the whole point of the law is it's supposed to be a consequence system that adjusts people's behaviors. And when we don't feel consequences or when they aren't applied to us, we don't learn from them, right? You can't live in a society where you say, uh, if, if you don't do this, uh, then you're going to get in trouble and then the person doesn't do it and then we help them do it anyway so they stay out of trouble. Like, yeah. I see parents do this all the time with their kids. They're like, um, okay, it's time to clean your room and when you clean your room, you get a cookie and the kid's like, no, I'm not going to clean my room, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, come on, let's pick it up and, and the kid's like, no, I don't want to. And instead of just letting the kid go, fine, you don't pick it up and you don't get the cookie and that's it. And that's, yeah. and that's the end of it. They go, no, come on, pick it up here. Let me help you, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, they get the cookie. And so whether the kid listens or doesn't listen, he gets a cookie no matter what in the end. And he doesn't experience the consequences. And then in the future, it's like, why behave appropriately when you can behave inappropriately and get the same outcome? There's I no- don't think... I think, you know, if if he's the type of person that drinks and is just reactive or acts like an asshole or is violent, the only way you stop that is by not drinking. And usually it's not going to be one incident unless you typically kill someone. Sure. Uh, It'll be just a lifetime, you know, or just a short, you know, maybe a five year period where you're just like, man, I keep doing stupid shit. I drink way too much. I get violent. There's always a consequence. So I don't know if it's necessarily any one thing that'll cause someone to stop. But I mean, the guy had his arm slit from because he punched Pun- in the window and then when enough. he pulled out yeah when he pulled his arm out it caught a shard of glass and he literally from his elbow to his wrist was cut all the way down to the yeah, bone gnarly like he looked like a ghost when he came over he was uh as i remember i think it was a mexican guy and he looked pale like i was just like dude did you roll in chalk like what the hell is wrong with you and then you yeah. see his arm and you're like Oh, man. So, you know, I'm sure he, I mean, who knows? Maybe he didn't learn his lesson after that. He's like, yeah, I scarred my arm because I was fucking with this Republican and all that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, but I, I, I just, it's the, the going with the police and everything, it's, it's, it's hit or miss. There's so many things that go on. We I think st- a lot of them are jaded and we they don't want to. started with the conversation of, you know, do I agree with defunding the police or not? And we were talking about, uh, uh, Kamala Harris being the running mate for Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, and so we got all onto this because, uh, you know, tan- it was a, a big tangent. But I said, I'm not for defunding the police, but also, like, it is irritating that they never do anything that I feel like I need them to do in my life. But there is a certain threshold of society that is upkept because of that, in, in my opinion. I don't know for that for a fact to be true. Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's just. Um I think it's just a matter of priority. Uh, I mean, there's stuff that goes on all the time. I think some of them are just jaded by the job and they're just like, fuck it. I don't want to write the report. I don't want to write something up for that, but they, they'll, you know, they'll take on the, the bigger issues where they're, you know, let's say someone's life is in danger. There's something serious going on. Whereas the other stuff, it's like, ah, I don't want to deal with it. You know? Yeah. You know, one thing that I've been thinking a lot lately um, with the whole Black Lives Matters and defunding the police and this and that is, um, you know, and then hearing Blue Lives Matter, yada, yada, yada. um, It's it's really silly uh, that when we think about police in America and we think about like people's hatred towards police, like it shouldn't be any surprise. Like 
nobody, even like the husbands and wives of police officers, see a cop pull up behind them and think, oh, thank goodness, something great's about to happen. Like, yeah. the cops are never associated with anything good. It's like having a friend who, um, you know, let, oh. go ahead. Well, I mean, unless you're in trouble, then then you're happy to see but, them. But, but if, you, but if you're, that's if you're, still not a good situation, Paul. If you're in trouble, like that's still associating it with negative events, and they're just there to help. It's never like it's never on good terms. You know what I mean? It's like oh yeah, you know, you get yeah. older, and you know, you hear friends say, or maybe you see it in movies. It's like oh, the, it seems like the only time we run into each other is at funerals nowadays. You know, and it's like. Like that, you maybe you still like the person, but you just associate them and and see them oh, on yeah. poor terms, yeah. and so it's like the same thing. And and by the way, people are going to have probably many last interactions where police are coming to help them because something bad's gone wrong and they're there to fix it, than they are to have good ones. I mean, police are the bearers of you know coming and saying like you know, sorry, ma'am, this is officer and so and so. Your husband's been in an accident, and um, you know they have to they respond to like car accidents. Like, it, look. What I'm saying is that there shouldn't be any surprise that nobody likes police in America. And when I say nobody, I, of course, I'm making an overgeneralization. And when I say we don't like them, what I'm saying is we don't like them as a job and when they're in uniform. Like, there are fine people who are doing it. A majority of them are awesome, uh, awesome people. What I'm saying is that, like, when, like, there's nothing good that ever like I'm I'm never on the side of the road and a police car goes by and, and then like stops and backs up and goes oh something's wrong yeah let me fix your car give you like where do you need to go you need a uh, an auto part yeah I'll drive you there and I'll drive you back and blah 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 like nothing good in fact one time last year my car was broken down on the side of the freeway and I called three one one and I said hey like I've got AAA and they're like no 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 don't call AAA like you know you're in you're in L A uh, the city of L A. Um, and we have the nice small tow trucks. We'll get you. We'll pull you right off the side of the freeway. We'll be there shortly. I wait a fucking hour. I call back and they're like, oh, we've dis dispatched somebody. They're on the way. Like, keep waiting. I wait another hour and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, let me check in. Hang on, blah, blah. I wait on the phone for a half hour. They get back and they're like, um, so we sent somebody and they, they drove by, but they said you weren't there. I'm like, I have been standing on the side of the road and I've seen zero tow trucks, guys. Zero. So whoever it was, can you get their number and can you have them reported or whatever because they didn't do their job. I have been watching the whole time. I'm stuck on the side of the freeway. Zero. And they're like, well, it wasn't actually a tow truck. I'm like, you said you would send a tow truck. Why on earth would you guys? And they're like, well, maybe whoever said that didn't realize they don't go that far south. I'm like, well, how far do they go? They're like, uh, it looks like one exit back. I'm like, so they could go one exit back. They can't go one more exit to come get me. I'm like, so who'd you send? They're like, we sent a highway patrol. I'm like, dude, I saw highway patrol like a half hour ago and he looked straight at me and kept driving. And they're like, well, that might've been him. I'm like, so report him. They're like, um, we, we don't do that, sir. And there's no, there's no system for reporting, um, the CHP officer. We don't know which officer was responding or this or that. So what I'm yeah. saying is with all of this is that there's just no good interactions. You know, if, if you know a police officer and they're complaining, oh, people don't like us or this or that, you know, we're the ones, you, who do you call when things go wrong? Like, it's still a bad circumstance that I'm encountering you. It's nothing happy. 
right? Um, It's still like a fight or flight or things have gone wrong. It's never a like knock on the door. Hi, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm the new officer in the neighborhood. I wanted to introduce myself, um, you know, or it's never the officer's already in the neighborhood and like, hey, I noticed you guys just moved in. Um, You know, I got you donuts or uh, baked you a cake or this or that. Like, that's what my neighbors do. Uh, It's never pulling over and helping you on the side of the road. It's never uh, anything like that. Well, they would say that, that, you know, that's not their their job. Okay, and, I would and say, it's not my well, job to would, like them. Like, the, well, you, you well, can't no, complain. I agree. Well, no, I agree. We're all allowed to have uh, opinions and likes and dislikes and all that kind of stuff. But my, what I'm saying is that, that that's a good opportunity for reform. Like, please see the yeah, worst shit all absolutely. day, every day. It absolutely. would make themselves happy if they could do more good stuff. Absolutely. Like, if they just had to divide their day or say, hey, you know... Uh, Every other month, you're going to have uh, two weeks where you're not looking to enforce enforce the law, unless you see something that's going on in front of you. Like your objective is going to be able, be to like be there for people and help people, yeah. and we'll give you opportunities to Absolutely. do so. And the good thing is that that'll that'll help the officers too, and then it also gives the it gives the public the opportunity to see cops in a new light. Yes, and, and I then, think that psychologically, I think that helps everyone. But that's that's everyone. reforming the police. I don't think we need to defund because when we have defunding, it's like, oh, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to have, you know, citizen police. It's like, okay, well, you know, people are like, we need to do away with the Constitution. It's like, you know, or do away with uh, towns and cities. And it's like, well, what what do you want to do? Well, we're going to have a commune. And and then it's like, but it's always going to result in society. Like, citizen police is still police because police are citizens. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And do you really want, like... No. Do you really want like a group of your old uh, no. neighbors getting together and making a neighborhood watch where they patrol Hell with no. guns? Like, <laughs> I if if a cop who's trained to do this can't do this efficiently, build down the street with a bum knee and a fucking old shotgun that probably doesn't work properly that his dad gave to him yeah. uh, is not going to be any better at all. In fact, he's probably got some grudges against people in the neighborhood and he's pissed that somebody, you know, is letting their tree grow in. So he's going to give his neighbor a little bit of shit while he's out there on patrol. Like things are going to go wrong with that. So well, I'm, look at Chaz, look at Chaz. Like everyone's like, we need to have the police go in there what like is Chaz? Like, Chaz it was, was the uh it was the autonomous zone in seattle uh, what does it stand for so c communist autonomous zone c-a-z no, no it wasn't the communist it was the uh <laughs> oh i don't know god i can't remember what Community? it like, yeah maybe the community autonomous zone something like that no it's got to be c-h-a-z right Chaz, c-h-a-z yeah, and I can't. Well, there was a couple. There was Chaz, and then another name Wait, for it. Their, their slogan on their flag it says, "Where's the fucking meatloaf?" <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you remember Chaz from Wedding Wedding Crashers? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. I just, you know, everyone was so worried about Chaz, and like even my brother-in-law, who's a police officer, is like, "We need to go in there, and we need to blah 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 blah, blah and we need to." to use force to get them out. I'm like, okay, yeah. So you go in there, you use force. One of them uses force against you, maybe in a self-defense capacity or thinking they're using self-defense, and then you end up killing one of them. You guys are just going to be labeled as killers again in the media. Like, the politicians let this get out of control because they didn't get you guys in there in the first place to disperse. Let the fucking thing fizzle out. 
And right. people are like, you can't just allow that. I'm like, what do you mean? They're starting their own society, which is going to cause chaos because not everyone conforms to the rules. So if, and especially if there is no rule, then how do you know what to enforce? So you have your own citizen police there and guards and whatever. And of course, someone's going to get killed. And it's like, well, Paul, so we had to let people get killed. They're there by their own choice. Yeah. It's like me going to those freedom protests, you know, where people just didn't want to wear masks or do anything to prevent coronavirus, even though they had comorbidity issues they know that they're susceptible to dying right if they want to do so go ahead yes go ahead like if you want to go into an autonomous zone where people there's their own police force and you think that it's going to be kumbaya perfect because we're all the same and nobody is ever different right that's an impossibility that's la land i spent a lot of time going to the occupy uh, wall street um i wouldn't say a lot of time but uh you know i went at least a handful of times i know i went to occupy dc um, once, uh, while that was, uh, going on out there. And then I went to occupy Los Angeles. Oh, I don't know. Five times maybe. And there's probably one other one I ended up going to maybe New York or something. At any rate, uh, the point of this is, is when all that was going on, I went and, uh, the amount of just chaos and the complete lack of direction with everything, I mean, led to its own collapse, you know? And this is kind of one of the protests earlier where I said, you know, a lot of these people are against protests and you're like, uh, against protests? And it's like, well, yeah, like they're only speaking about the rioting that's going on now, but a lot of these people that I'm seeing, these older individuals who are in their 60s and 70s, 10 years ago when Occupy Wall Street was going on, it was the same shit. It was, well, they're not allowed to, you know, it's, well, they're sleeping on public property, so that's why it's not okay. Like, there's always a reason why a protest isn't okay. It's blocking traffic. It's it's doing this. There's rioters. Like, for these people who are liberal, um, and I'm saying, you know, I, I, I would like to defend that a little bit from earlier because I'm sure there's people going like, like, what the fuck? No, they're just speaking about rioting. Like if that's all they're speaking up about. Yeah, that's all they're speaking up about is what I'm saying. They're like, that is where their priorities are. I have never seen these people defend any protest. Whenever there's a protest, there's an excuse as to why it's the wrong protest and how they don't like the way the protest is being carried out. They they can't just sleep there. That's not okay. They're just trashing things. This is just disrespectful. This is just this. This is just that. Like It doesn't matter what it is. There's always a reason why the protest shouldn't be happening. Um, and so to, to go back for a minute, there was that. But, um, you know... There was no direction. It did self collapse, uh, uh, collapse on itself um, because of that. Yeah. I remember one time, uh, and you know, people were saying this was a uh, what do you call it? Like a defactor, where where somebody comes in who's not a part of the movement, trying to destabilize it. Um, but like they would have an open mic, and people could get up and say whatever you want, and people would clap, and you've got so certain minutes. And somebody who was mentally ill got up there and then took the microphone and started like preaching the Lord and walking back and forth and wouldn't give the mic and then uh, was not swinging on people but just saying really crazy shit and then uh, it's super funny because whenever something like this happens um, everyone's just like oh great here it goes and people start moaning and groaning and then um, you've always got like this was a big group. There was thousands of people there. Eh, when I say thousands, maybe there was like 2,000 people there but you have a, a group of five or 10 people who are like you know what? 
I got this. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to reason with this guy who's either clearly crazy or here to intentionally ruin what's going on. Let me just talk to him. And so this guy is stomping back and forth and they think they're going to be the person who goes up and puts their hand and goes, hey, buddy, hey, just calm down. Just put it down. And he's going to go, oh, shit. Okay. Like, and they, these people all just make it worse. There's like, they're all kind of like pulling and blocking and this and that. And it's like, you're crowding someone who's possibly mentally ill. That's probably not making them feel any more calm. It's probably making them feel a little bit more on edge, a little bit more like people are out to get them a little bit more crazy. You know? Um, And so the place was just chaos. And guess what ended up happening? They called the cops. And I know this wasn't a defund the cop movement, but it was a, you know, kind of anti-Wall Street, anti-establishment movement at the time. Anti-authority, yeah. Anti-authority, and yeah, there was, you know, the marches were relatively peaceful. But even at that time, there was things going on where people were fucking up banks and spray painting them and ruining um, things. And again, it's like, no matter what protest goes on, there's going to be non-peaceful elements of it. So either you're for protests or you're not, but... But it always comes with it, some element of non-peace. Show me something where somebody didn't do something like litter, okay? Because if that's the case, you go, well, I'm, I'm not for protest because a thousand people come and they just drop all their trash on the ground. They're disrespectful. These people are going to have something to fucking say about everything. Yeah. You know? Uh, so there are, I, I don't know. Anyways, I'm rambling. Look, uh, I started this off by saying... <laughs> Uh, Let's start with ranked ranked choice, choice voting. voting. <laughs> and then you're like, well, I wanted to ask you about this. And now we're an hour into it. God damn it, Paul. Well, could we get through it? Do you think in, in 15 minutes, like kind of start the, or should we just, we push already it off started it, Paul. <laughs> what the ranked choice voting? Yeah, we started it last episode. We gave a 15 minute preview and we talked about it for a minute. But this is what the problem with us in general, though. It's just like if we were like this it's is not no a problem than... with us. It's a problem with you. I I was ready. I was like ranked choice. I read up a little bit about it. Um, you know, but this will give me more time to read about it because I would love to have a good discussion. Okay, um, so you want to make it uh, longer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's okay. really worth the full examination here because look, we're in a society where nobody's happy with what's going on like i i don't have to tell you that nobody's nobody's thrilled yeah we're choosing the lesser of two evils so you know and that's sort of why we got into kemala harris um dude tell me more about her like you so she's a prosecutor um which a prosecuting did you say a da uh yeah i think she was district attorney so what at is one a DA? point attorney she's basically like the head prosecutor she's elected official head prosecutor they for run what? they for a county for a county okay so whenever there is a lawsuit like the la county versus the people versus yeah people versus la county then, then so if it's like a, if it's a criminal case they decide whether or not there's probable cause to bring the case or not okay I don't know what that so means. They're, they're, well, they're the ones that, well, basically that there's uh, specific and articulable facts that would warrant bringing the case into court. So, so you can't just DA have a frivolous... the DA doesn't that. The DA is, is the one who, A, helps well, decide that. But, it. but then prosecute. don't they participate in the lawsuit itself or in the trial? Yeah, they have uh, uh, deputy, deputy DAs and prosecutors that work and prosecute these cases, but they can't bring these cases 
frivolously, or at least they're not supposed to. They're supposed to be right. based upon evidence, and there has to be probable cause in order to. So, so the DA looks at a, uh, the evidence and says, "Yeah, this is a case I think we can win, or this is a case where I think like we need to explore it a little bit." But then the DA also does that and then takes it to court and argues the case. Right? They're basically like the CEO of the prosecutor's office they're the ones that are coordinating the whole entire show okay. yeah and they, they they are the ones you know they'll have especially if you're in a big prosecutor's office you're going to have people underneath you that are uh looking at these cases so i don't think that necessarily the da is the end-all be-all right but um they are a major factor in terms of determining especially big cases whether or not to bring them or not so she um, was she was a da um for what but don't quote me on that i believe she was up in the uh bay area somewhere i don't honestly i don't know specifically a ton about her i just okay as i remember if you could are you bringing it up right now yeah she it looks like in 2002 she began uh, methodologically gathering support to run against uh helenan uh calling mark buell the stepfather from blah 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 um it sounds like uh, she had a campaign to become the district attorney in 2003 yeah. um i'm not sure exactly where um, but then she, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So then in 2004 through 2011, she was a district attorney of San Francisco. Okay. So it was San Francisco. And then I believe she was the attorney general of California. She, she received or inherited a 50% felony conviction rate from the previous DA. Um, and her, uh, her conviction rate reached an all time high of 76% in 2009, meaning, um, she, really stepped it up and increased it 50% more than what it already was. So, mm -hmm. um, which can mean two things. I mean, you can look at that and you can be like, Oh, well she must be a terrible person because she was just increasing caseloads and wrongfully convicting and all that. Or, and this is what I would, this is what I would think is that, uh, maybe she just weeded out cases that just didn't have probable cause. So she yeah. was, you know, cases would be brought in. It's a supposed felony. She's looking at the facts and the evidence relating it to the law and then realizing like, this is bullshit. There's nothing here. Throw this shit out. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, it, it, it's really hard to say, but I know that there's, there've been people that have really gone over her record and everything. And I would highly suggest that everyone listen to that Joe Rogan podcast with those two gentlemen. I wish I knew the, uh, uh, I think it's the innocence project. I think that's what they run as the innocence project. And the, some of the stuff that goes on in the judicial system is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it's not always the case, but you know, uh, some crazy stuff can happen and especially when you're in a want to win environment the you people do things they wouldn't otherwise do so it says here that she became the attorney general of california in 2011 to 2017 what's an attorney general do uh they're basically the head prosecutor of the the state oh wow so, she so if there's the like a yeah, if there's like a big conflict of interest or a case or something, she'll be the one that's called in to prosecute it, you know. Um, so if there's like a conflict of interest, let's say, within a particular DA's office because there's a police scandal, but the police were working with the with the prosecutors, there's a and let's say the prosecutors weren't doing anything, there's a conflict of interest there. So the attorney general could end up prosecuting the case on behalf of that office and then there's a bunch of other different areas where they would step in but they're like the chief you know 
uh, law person within the state or legal person within the state. So, um, there, yeah, I think a lot of people need to read about this. I feel like I want to read about this and come back and have a discussion or a show just about her because, I, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, you said she's someone along the middle of the road. It says uh, here in 2008 um, when we passed Prop 8 in California um, stating uh, that um, only marriage between a man and a woman is valid or recognized. So do you remember that? Like mar- gay marriage was legalized and then Prop 8 was passed and sort of like repealed it instead of... Yeah, they the amended the constitution, yeah. the state so, constitution, yeah. So she, um, when she was uh, running for attorney general, said that um, that she would uphold and de- defend um, Prop 8, it looks like. I think that's what so she... Can, isn't that what she has to do, though? She's the... Oh, oh she, she ran on a campaign promising not to defend proposition. After being elected, Harris declared her office would not defend the marriage ban, leaving the task to Prop 8's opponents. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, we need to read more about her um, and, and figure things out. Just because I'm... I don't know. I'm curious. I'm skeptical. Like... <sighs> In general, it all just seems like one big show and it seems like, you know, people flop back and forth on things. It's like, you know, you I feel like you can't even trust whatever's going on here because she might not necessarily make the same decision she made 10 years ago, not based off of because she's changed her opinion, but because the general public has changed their feelings. Oh, yeah. And and yeah. Biden and her just looking for votes, just looking well, to, to be there, to be the person pulling the strings and shaking hands and making the deals and all that kind of stuff. Well, and they'll always say, too, they'll be like, well, if I was for any of that back in the day, even though maybe I was for it personally, uh, I would have had no chance of winning. And how am I supposed to fix anything if I'm not, you know, if if I'm uh, not elected to office? And my thing is, is that I just wish that we could actually see people for what they are. Like, at least Donald Trump, like, you know what the fuck you're getting. That's true. And that's what people like like about him. That's the appeal. We're with Biden and Kamala, like... You or Harris, you're you're you don't know what you're getting. Like you're gonna get one thing. You're gonna get a an Obama um, who says one thing and stands for one thing for hope and for freedom and you know and pulling out of Iraq strikes. and then uh, next thing you know, like just drone strikes left and right and left and right and yeah, and screwing I'm, over whistleblowers and all that. Like oh yeah, God, the whole Snowden thing is fucking infuriating. Like that's the one thing where I'm just not the one thing, but that's the thing where I'm like. Wait, wait, wait. Fucking Obama's going to let this fool get arrested and go after him for what he did? And, like, why? And I think it's political pressure. I don't think it's pressure of, well, maybe it's pressure of the people well, political, as well. But. Well, looking to the future, too, it's just like, it's like, well, if, if I uh, pardon him, let's say, uh, you know, does that open the door? to other individuals within our military leaking sensitive information. And it's always that slippery slope type of thing. But, you know, sometimes there's, you know, a right and wrong thing to do. And, you know, nobody really knew the extent of the surveillance that was going on in the United States until Snowden came out and uh, released a lot of that stuff. Right. You know, and... (coughs) 
it's it, these decisions are really, really, really tough. Yeah. Um, and I'd hate to be president to, you know, to be in those positions to make those decisions because you can really affect people in the present, but you can also negatively or positively affect the future depending on how uh, that decision turns out in the right. future. And it's really hard to predict the future. But uh, yeah, I just wish that politicians could be themselves. I just wish that it wasn't the way in which Trump is being himself, this destructive, narcissistic, you know, like orange baby that goes in and just like says whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Like yeah, it was but I fun. don't, again, I don't even know if he's being himself. I think he's in at like, Oh no, he's being him. But is he? I mean, we saw him, you know, for years and years. Oh, you think years. he has a soft side? No, I don't think he has a soft side. I'm saying we saw him for years and years on television in other roles and other capacities, and he wasn't this fucking crazy. He wasn't this insane. I mean, this is who he is when he's feeling defensive, when he's put on the spot, when he's under immense amount of pressure. Yeah, when everyone's you're getting to know him. him. Yeah, but like, I, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, that he is, did this that is same who ex- he is. Um, it's just n- none of us are typically under that much pressure. So, yeah, I guess you're right, because none of us are typically under that much pressure. And the person who is the president is going to be under that much pressure. And but whoever- even before, before, like in the primaries and everything, like he wasn't under pressure. I don't think he ever thought he you're was right. going to win. You're so right. he was just like, like, fuck you, Jeb Bush. You're a bitch. I will like, never. You're, I, you're I, sleepy. You're yeah, tired. I feel like he I was, was different. Laughing. He was different before when he was running than he is now. Before, like, you know, he was making a mockery of things. He was draining the swamp. Now he's like acting somewhat professional, uh, at least in how he's going to address things. And, um, I don't know, all that sort of stuff. I don't know. I feel like I definitely see a difference in in who he is. But uh, I will never forget when him and Hillary were debating on stage and she was talking and all of a sudden it switches to him and he does this. He he stares blankly, opens his mouth like a slack-jawed, gets really close to the mic and is silent for a sec. He goes, oh. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? What was that? And like, it was, it was like, he's like going to say something. And then he's just like, but it was like a a weird, like mocking, like laugh or like moan or like, I don't know, man. Guys are fucking weird. He's a, well, he's, if, if he wasn't just like, I don't think that he's capable of being a decent human being that can look out for other people. But I will admit, he has made me laugh so many times. Like, his timing is so good. His his attacks and the way in which he gives people nicknames are just brilliant. But he's been doing the media stuff for so long. I mean, I actually, like, during the primaries, will fully admit that I kind of got a kick out of the fact that there was someone, when he was asked a question, he's like, well, I'm going to do better than tired Jeb. It looks like he's about ready to, you know, take a nap over there. And you see if they pan over to, to Jeb Bush <laughs> and he's got this angry scowl and he's like sweating. Like you could tell he's just like, well, it's not supposed to be like this. Everyone's supposed to be nice. And I'm supposed yeah. to be able to say that I want to help America and kiss babies and Trump's being mean. Yeah. And I liked the fact that there was someone that was going in there and saying like, fucking stop it. Like tell the people what you're going to 
do. Tell the people who you are and let them decide. Right. Like all of you guys are fakes, you're phonies, you don't know what the fuck's going on. You're making America worse while lining your pockets. I mean, the thing you is, know, is he didn't then, do any of it either that he said he was going to do, just like nothing. every other fucking politician. Like, where's the wall? He did the, the same at? thing. So where's, had, well, where's the swamp at? Did Mexico pay for the wall? He said he was <laughs> yeah. Gonna, yeah, Sorry, he said he was going to. Yes. I think I read somewhere that it was, it'll take like 1,200 years before the wall is completed at the pace that he's currently going. <laughs> but his base doesn't know any of that because they follow particular media sources that only report on the good stuff. And the thing is, if he was draining the swamp, then why the fuck have we added $6 trillion to the deficit? Or to the uh, to the debt rather, yeah. Like that's not draining the swamp. Like you're giving people tax cuts, but at the same exact time, you're taxing the future because we have to pay for this, right? Yeah. Not every you know business can just go bankrupt. The government can't just go bankrupt all of a sudden, right. And default on its you know, on its debt, right? I mean, we'd have the, mass inflation. Things would just collapse. But that, that's the whole entire point. Is that. He knew what to say, and I think he is such a bullshitter that he knows that, you know, knows how other, you know, was able to recognize other people bullshitting. But at the same exact time, I was hoping that when he got into office, that his way of conducting himself in the primary would Would go away. Yes, like, like, it got worse. It It became different. It became like the exact same shit just now. Yeah. You know, and here's what I would imagine he got there and went, Oh, I can't change any of this, and now everyone's pointing fingers, and he's trying to, to like defend it as if he's doing exactly what he said he's going to do. That's what it feels like. That's how it's different. It's he's still sort of a dick. It's just it, he's changed from being like on the like attack of I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that to on the defense of I I did do this and, and well because it works. That. Well, because it works because the news stations that call them out and say, hey, listen, you're lying about that. Like, you know, the border wall isn't being built like you're saying. Mexico is not paying for it. We're we're building the wall. The wall is being built. Like, you guys are just fake news. And the people that are already supporting them are like, well, yeah, that's fake news. It's like, well, no, there's not a wall. Like, the bill, the the wall hasn't been completed and Mexico isn't paying for it. We're taking it out of our own defense budget. Yeah. But that's the problem with politics today. It's like both sides don't even want to admit when they're wrong. No. Like we're talking about Kamala uh, Kamala Harris and everything and about how uh, uh, black people's lives have been negatively affected by some of our laws and everything. Well, she was a big part of enforcing a lot of those laws and did it with pride and end up putting a lot of, you know, black people in prison. And it's just like, well, of, yeah. she's better than Trump. The problem is, is that there is never going to be anyone that is perfect ever, 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 ever. But what you need to do is you need to know who the person is. If if someone tells you who they are honestly and what they believe and you get to hear everything, then you get to honestly decide whether or not you want to vote for that person. Right. Well, but I don't feel like we ever get to hear it. Do you, uh I know you don't know too much about it yet. We only talked a little bit and there's a long way to go, but um, do you feel like you're still going to vote for Biden? Because I know you said you were leaning towards that. Um, but after this decision, are you like, oh God, never mind? Or are you like, yeah, I, I still think I'm going to. Oh, I need to read up about uh, her or you don't know. I, I don't think that it, it changes my decision-making process. I think that if the economy doesn't have serious problems between now and November, that the next president is going to have serious problems with the economy. Like we are way past the 10 year uh, ebb mark 
you know, uh, we had the downfall in 2008 and, you know, every 10 years, there's kind of a little bit of a, a downturn. And we have not experienced that, even though Americans aren't working, uh, the stock market's going up and everything. Job numbers just aren't there. Like we're not doing really well, but shit hasn't hit the fan yet. So I don't know, like long term, I wonder like if Trump, uh, you know, if Biden comes in there and the economy just falls apart, it'll be Biden's fault, right? right? And then what happens after that? Like, I'm honestly really worried about the economy wonder, and things falling apart. I wonder if that's apart. a tactical move maybe on Republicans' part is, look, this, this shit is going to tank. Give out another stimulus check. You know, Democrats will buy into it. Everybody wants it. And then we make it through to the election. There's no way in hell Trump's going to win. Biden inherits it. It all goes to shit. And boom, 2024 is in the bag. I don't think anyone's smart enough to do that. <laughs> I, I, well, first of all, I don't think that anyone I agree. is. I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think anyone is smart enough to do that. And, I, and even if they wanted to do it, I don't think that they could finagle the Democrats to do it. I mean, everyone will, is, And I don't think they could keep it secret enough between staffers and like, this yeah, I think someone would be like, bro, this is what they're planning. Like, here's, I think it's, here's a leak. I think it's going to be a shit show no matter what, even with uh, like Bush in the 2008 crash. I don't know how as a president you could foresee that sort of stuff coming. Like right. you have people that are in the know in this stuff. And like you said, like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, they're being warned about stuff all the time. Right. And after the fact, we're always like, well, yeah, you know, we should have regulated it and they shouldn't have had subprime mortgages and all that. And it's like, but everyone, most of the people thought like, whoa, we're making a bunch of money in the yeah real estate market's always going to go up. Right. And I just think, you know, that the economy is really going to suffer and there's going to be a serious problem. And I think it's everyone's fault, no matter who the president is yeah. the next time around, because Republicans raised the debt uh, and Democrats have continuously raised the amount of debt. And it's just it's I know not it's sustainable. Weird. It's, it's funny that, like, the ideas of the two-party system is one is... Uh, one is fiscally conservative, the other is uh, fiscally yeah. liberal and frivolous. And it's like, uh, it seems to me that they're both a bit frivolous. They're um, the same. And they're the exact same. Yeah. And one is uh, socially conservative and the other socially liberal and a bit frivolous. And I go, well, now you got, uh, you know, Kamala Harris in there and it's, you know, they're both sort of uh, the same. They're really not that different at all. I don't see... A huge difference, but everybody else seems to. Everybody else seems to think that, uh, you know, the differences between the two parties are extreme and uh, they matter so much. And that if we don't get Trump out of office, that uh, we're not going to survive another four years. But that's what was said four years ago. And here we are. And like, things aren't going great, but also that's like partly due to COVID. Um, well, yeah, yeah, no, it, it's a big part. But the thing is with COVID and all that, I mean, you need someone that's in there that's leading, that isn't oh. saying to, like, like, oh, you know, we need to take this seriously, and if lockdowns are necessary, they're necessary. And then, like, a day or two later, he's saying, you know, liberate Michigan, liberate yeah. Minnesota. Like, he's talking out of both sides of his mouth, but he knows that it works. But the problem is, is that, 
we're the United States, regardless of party. Like you've got to be able to lead and lead powerfully in order to get people united together. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. And that way you can hopefully get Congress um, and the rest of the branches of the government to do the right thing. We're on a ship where half of the crew wants to go one way and half the crew wants to go the other way and everyone's fucking pissed off at each other. It just doesn't work. Well, yeah, they're both to- like tugging on the wheel, but the problem yeah. is, is that you know the ship's the Titanic, Do and there's an iceberg it- ahead of them, and they're both pulling on the wheel, so it's not turning in any direction; it just keeps going forward you until it hits think- the iceberg. Do you honestly think Biden is capable of unifying this country if another something like this were to happen? Let's say COVID didn't hit us for two more years. Do you think Biden would have been somebody who actually unified us? Or do you think he wouldn't have, but it just wouldn't be as bad as Trump? Well, listen, I think that the dynamics would be much different. I I think that if if Biden was president, I think all the people that aren't wearing masks right now would be looking at it as, you know, as COVID as a plague and they would have been taking it seriously. They would have been saying, oh, look, we have and I'm not joking about this. You know, uh, it sounds ridiculous, but there's, you know, when Obama was president, Zika and Ebola, oh, it's it's plagues put on this earth because we have Obama, the Antichrist. And so if 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 Biden was president, who knows, maybe it would have gone away quicker because people would have taken it seriously and wore masks and everything because they would have treated it as an actual plague. Whereas now they look at it wearing masks is satanic conditioning and it will and then there's the protests on top of that for george floyd where there were people that were weren't wearing wearing masks so there's just a bunch of there's just a bunch of different issues but i I don't think that biden could unite us and i honestly don't see anyone within the political system that has the prowess uh or the intellect um to unite people and i think it's because we are our own worst enemies at this point in terms of our inability to deal with social media. I look at social media, like I told you, when I was on Twitter for the first week I was on there, I found myself more angry. And then I had to recalibrate myself and realize like, dude, you haven't been on social media for like 10 years and you were ignorant to all these other people that are freaking out about nothing. They're, you know, doing the equivalent of yelling outside their car window at someone passing by. So now I just recalculate it, and every time I like, I'll see the same dumb stuff. I just don't get angry about it, yeah, because it's all ridiculous. They're just yelling in their own room, like screaming, like right. little children. So why do I care? But the thing is, is that I don't know how a a leader could unify when everyone has their own media platform via social media. Like we're we're so caught up in us against them that. Uh, somehow things would have to maybe you know we'll talk next week about the ranked choice voting and like we've said for the past four weeks (laughs) i would swear i won't bring up anything uh uh to get us off off track next time but maybe if people were represented you know more like you know like i said the evangelicals have a candidate that they can rely on that that actually purports to have their views and they have their own version uh, there's you know maybe even a, a communist member in congress like i don't cry over ideas if someone has a, a view uh and they're a communist and let's say i'm in the house or senate and I'm not going to be like, oh my God, like they're, they're Satan. They're, they're put here to destroy the United States. Like, well, 
I can't be hyperbolic. They're on the same piece of rock as me. If they destroy it, they destroy themselves. Right. It's up to them to convince me as to how communism will work. I'm willing to listen, and I'm also willing to counter. And if they have some good ideas, maybe I'll absorb some of that perspective. But if I think it's complete horseshit, which is more likely than not, then I'm not going to absorb it. And no one else is going to absorb those ideas because they're all going to think it's horseshit. So, like, we need to get over this trivial, like, stupid shit. Like, even with Second Amendment, like, what, we're going to have two-thirds of both the House and the Senate and then three-quarters of the states' assemblies ratify undoing the Second Amendment? Yeah, we can't even get a Corona bill passed. We're going to have two thirds, a majority of both houses, and then three quarters of the Senate. In fucking possible. Well, and yet all I see is people like they're taking our guns. They're going to take our guns. Impossible, impossible, impossible. The District of Columbia v. Heller. It's just so written by Scalia said no. It's so confusing. Like you know the process of it. We it's don't. It's not know. confusing. Well. It is confusing because there's a lot of legislation and people don't understand government. It's confusing because, you know, you we went to school and we were taught government a few years out of it and how it works and no one remembers. Our education system is shitty. They don't teach well, it in a way that we're going to remember that you have to pass a two-thirds vote to uh, undo an amendment uh, and that that's not really possible to do unless everyone's pretty much unified on it. Like... People don't remember that. People don't know that. And people don't consider that when they're getting upset about it. But shouldn't like that be a common thing? Like if someone says they're going to come for your guns, they're going to come for your guns. Shouldn't you ask how? Like just commonsensically, like, well, how would they do that? You have to be taught to do that, Paul. Like you, and and so yes, it should be, but it is not, and that it's an issue. Well, people just take stuff at at face value. Yeah, like you know. but that's because they've been taught to do it. No one's taught them critical thinking. We don't have an education system that pushes out people who question how or why. Dude, in my line of work, half of my job lately has been like, okay, why are you doing this? And like, what do you mean we need this? I'm like, why do we need it? And they're like, well, because it's supposed to be there. I'm like, I know, what. what is the purpose of it being there? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Well, so that um, you can perform this skill in different situations. I'm like, okay, so this skill is this, and here's how we're teaching it. So he's, here's each step of the skill. And at each step along the way, you want to teach it in a new situation. So I'll, I'll give you the specific example. Um, I work with children with autism. Um, I work with adults who work with children with autism. And some people will be uh, working on teaching the kid to, I don't know, let's say attend to an activity like Mm. math or homework or this or that. And so when we do that, we start at a small increment of time. And when the child meets that increment of time, we reward them. We give them a cookie or let them play video games. And then we come and we do it again. If they don't meet that amount of time, we start over and we try again or we could take a break without any reward, go do something else and come back and try again. Um, Now, uh, what people are doing is they are each, we do this thing called generalization that when somebody learns a skill, we then do it in different situations with different people and different materials. So they know how to perform that skill. But with, with this, people will work on teaching a kid to attend for 30 seconds and then they'll generalize it and work on it with different people and different settings and different materials. And then the next goal will be to teach the kid to attend for 35 seconds 
And then when the kid meets it again, they'll do generalization. And then they'll do it at 40 seconds and 50 seconds and 60 seconds. And, and we keep going and we're building up the time. Paul, it's like me uh, teaching you to run long distance running, right? And we're at the, the track, okay, at school. And you run one mile and then your next goal is a mile and a quarter, then a mile and a half, then a mile and two, three quarters, then two miles, two and a half miles, three miles. And every time you, you get to your mark and you're doing well with it, I go, great. Now we have to go do it, uh, cross country. Now we got to go do it on street running. Now we got to go do this, do that. It's like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Why don't I just get you up to 10 miles and then we'll go do it on the street? Why, or, or why don't every day when we do it, we just switch the place that we do it every day and I just teach you right off the bat how to run under these different conditions. You don't need to do it every step of the way. And yeah. then people go, oh, I, yeah, I, I guess you're right. I wasn't thinking about that. And it's what I'm saying is even these people with master's degrees and additional education after their master's degrees aren't asking, why am I doing this? So oh, even people. smart people yes, who I have college degrees aren't going, well, why would I do this? What's the Because point we've this? learned. We well first of all it's That's information. What I'm saying. Well, it's information overload and then we've been but we've been programmed like you're saying and it's because like like with mathematics and everything like you know uh, past calculus and yet I don't remember a lot of calculus or even stats. Stats I think I got the highest grade in my college class for for stats and I, I can't tell you much about it and the reason is is that I learn things algor- algorithmically. I learned a set of instructions that got me to the answer, but I never understood right. the why behind I even, was, why I was doing it. So it if, wasn't... Even if, Paul, you did uh, uh, continue to practice, um, if you rehearsed it, so a big part of the problem is, and we've talked about this before, is after you pass the class, you never are required to do it again, therefore you forget. You say, well, I couldn't tell you a yeah. thing about it, but you, you could tell me a thing about it if I made you keep practicing. You might not know how to apply it. But the um, hard part is making it important enough for me to, to want to do that. And that, that's the, I think that's where the dividing line is. Like, you know, you, you don't think about things like, you know, why the sky is blue. Most people don't know why the sky is blue. You know, it's not actually blue, right? It's, right. It is a reflection of blue light. Uh, because here's my understanding of it. Light comes into our atmosphere, uh, and the light that bounces in at an angle, uh, is actually easily reflected by the oxygen molecules and the water molecules in our atmosphere. And so, um, because they are of a similar wavelength, water doesn't absorb the blue color, therefore it bounces back. And the O2 in the sky is the same distance. Its chemical bond or composition is the same distance as the wavelength of blue, and so therefore it absorbs it and reflects it back to us or some shit. Oh, well, that was uh, way more complicated. <laughs> well, I said... Because <laughs> well, I, I thought it was just basically just a filtration in the atmosphere in terms of reflecting certain light or not. And some I could light be wrong. Somebody passes through and absorbs and some, you know, doesn't. And, but, that's, but see, that, that's kind of making my point is that, like, I found it interesting once I found out the reason behind why the sky is blue. But yeah, it never it mattered something. enough to me. Like, I stumbled across it. It was never, like an intrinsic curiosity because it wasn't something that was extremely important to me. But my point is, is that when people are espousing that 
you know, gun rights are so important to them, like, which is why we have a, a Second Amendment and everything. If you think it's so important and so powerful, like, at that point, it does become surprising to me that people don't want to look into, well, how would the Democrats go about taking our guns? Because I can just give a little, I think it was 1997, there was the District of Columbia v. Heller. And Scalia wrote that case, and it um, the case was about a prohibition on ha handguns in the District mm -hmm. of Columbia. And basically they said that that is unconstitutional, that the, uh, the Constitution upholds the right to arm yourself, except if you're a felon or if you have uh, mental illness or something like that. But... And the, the the gun use has to be reasonable. You can't use weapons of war, so you can't have like a bazooka at home sort of thing. And so that basically kind of defined the Second Amendment rights as we know it today. And you could have court precedent or, you know, maybe the court overturned something like mm -hmm. that over time, which would be difficult, or it would be, and it'd have to be reason, there'd have to be a reason for it. Uh, or uh, you would have to amend the Constitution itself. And in our political environment, it's just so impossible. It, it's so impossible. But the thing is, is that the NRA is a PR firm. So the National Rifle Association, like they employ people that say the same thing over and over and over again, yeah. no matter where it is. So like in New Zealand, they're trying to take away your Second Amendment rights. And the New Zealand people were like, we don't have a Second Amendment. Like, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. uh, or they they have the NRA members on video uh, of saying, like, well, what do we do when we have a school shooting? And they're like oh, just say that they're making it political. They're making it about guns and they should. this should be a time of mourning about the victim and how dare you. So they have, you know, pre-prescribed ways of getting the public outraged. And one of those ways of doing it is saying that Democrats are trying to take away guns. Yeah. And they keep spreading the message over and over and over again. And then other people repeat it and they never ask, well, this means a lot to me. Like, how are they going to do it? You know, it? it's funny. Then I, I bet that also reinforces the idea for a lot of liberals that they're supposed to be taking away guns. Like, I I would imagine that it's almost a double-edged sword where it's like, well, we got to get people to believe this. And then people who identify as liberal are like, well, yeah, that's what I got to do. I got to take away their guns. You know well, liberals, uh, well, liberals, a lot of them, they want to decriminalize uh, drugs and everything. And yet, you know, if, if some extreme elements, I say extreme because there's a lot of Democrats that own firearms and everything and see a necessity for them, especially considering how many firearms are in the United States. But there are some that would just be like, well, we need to ban all guns so that we stop uh, death. Yeah. And it's like, but then we're just going to end up creating some sort of a black market. Right. Like, we so always I, will, yeah. Yeah, like we want to you know, limit the black market for illegal drugs, but then when it comes to guns, we think it's just going to be a kumbaya magical moment where criminals aren't going to want to get their hands on them. So, you know, I just we're just a very polarized society. And going back to like what we were saying, I don't know who could come about that would make any of these situations palatable for both sides of the populace to right. unite together unless unless it was a wartime president and we were severely attacked. 
Well, I think but, this is something for us to continue to think about and talk about as we s- attempt to possibly discuss for longer than we did today. Uh, yeah. Ranked the very beginning. voting. Uh, yeah, well, I think we mentioned it for about one and a half to two seconds. Yep. Um, so we covered it for a shorter amount of time than we did last episode. But um, yeah, we're about uh, at an hour and uh, 40 minutes here. So wow. um, let's call it and we'll, we'll come back to this next week. Uh, hopefully uh, more focused and we'll, we'll shine the spotlight on what we keep saying we're going to shine it on. Okay. So until next time, guys, we'll see you later. This has been a Dig a big hole and stay in. production. Thank <laughs> you.